Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, White Sox fans. It's Crystal O'Keefe with episode 30 of Visiting Dugout, brought to you by the Southside Sox, a part of Fans First Sports Network. Today on the show, I have my friend Tim Ryder on to talk about the Mets. Tim, please, hello, introduce yourself. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. Uh, Tim Ryder. I write for the Apple. Uh, that's a Substack blog. I host a Mets podcast called Simply Amazing. Um I've kind of jumped around. I used to write for, uh, well, I'm still on the team. I haven't really contributed much recently for Southside Sox. So I still do have a connection to the White Sox. So uh, it's nice to uh, to be back in the mix here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I have always thought, you know, the White Sox and Mets, they're kind of like cousins. You know, they're, they're so connected in such weird ways. And a lot of like White Sox fans, I've noticed, will also root for the Mets. I mean, I know ton, I know a ton of White Sox fans that root for the Mets. It's just wild i love it kindred spirits i know i think i think it's just because both teams are just always so disappointing year after year that (laughs) we all just love misery and misery loves company so now who's the little brother in chicago i know that you know the cubs are are probably the um you know leading the way but i guess historically wise fan base wise is it an even split or is it more like a yankees mets thing where we're the uh, quote-unquote little brother um that's a good question. I would say it probably is more of like a Yankees Mets thing. Although I, I just say that only because there are Cubs fans <laughs> everywhere. You yeah. know, there's that old joke, like you can't go to a ballpark and not see someone in a Cubs Jersey. And that's true. Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> matter. They're not playing. And I still like I all the time, just constantly <laughs> Cubs fans everywhere. So I would say they are more popular. Um, unfortunately, just because <laughs> Everyone knows them, and oh. <laughs> and it only got worse after the World Series. Oh yeah. So oh, I was I, I was a teenager through the '90s, so yes, I know yeah. what it's like to be on the other side of uh, of worlds. Yeah, I think uh, unfortunately there are just too many Cubs fans in the world, so <laughs> it is what it is. But at the same time, like ESPN forgets the White Sox exist all the time. Just watching the home run derby, it was like, oh, here's Luis Albert Jr. That's it. <laughs> he plays on this team. Oh, he's, he was incredible last night. I'm- All right. So let's talk about your Mets. They're my Mets, too. Whatever. We're obviously recording this kind of ahead of schedule because by the time this airs, I will be in New York for that series. Very nice. excited. Um, so, you know, this is being recorded during the All-Star break. The Mets are in fourth place, 18 and a half games back, 
467 record. We all know Atlanta is really good, but like, damn, what what is happening in Queens? Well, yeah, I think the division is pretty much sewn up at this point. Um, Atlanta has been a machine. You know, they didn't make too many moves in the off season, but everything has clicked. They have the right group there. Um, yeah, that's going to be a scary team going into the postseason. But yeah, the Mets have been, you know, mostly, you know, underproductive, um, certainly not playing to the back of their baseball cards. And that's pretty much across the board. When Tommy Pham is one of your best hitters on a roster like this, you know, something's probably gone a little bit awry. Um, you know, this is a, it's a good roster. It's just, they've, they haven't played up to snuff and, uh, they find themselves, you know, over a half dozen back in the wild card with probably a half dozen teams ahead of them. And that's, you know, underwhelming to say the least. And it puts them in a really, really tough spot with the trade deadline coming up. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, there it's, it's, it's almost like the White Sox are in the same position. You can go, go on a, on a hot stretch and, and really, you know, change the whole pace of the season or, and then, you know, go in and, and make a couple of moves at the trade deadline and, you know, wait, maybe this team isn't as good as we thought. And you set yourself back a year. So it's really a, um, it's a tough spot to be in. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's been a ton of injuries, obviously, that you guys have dealt with. A really big one, Edwin Diaz, obviously. Um, and again, he, he might be back in September. I worry that that's rushing him. Um, but, you know, besides him, are there any other injuries that just really impacted the season in just like a negative way? Well, there's been little things. Um, I know Scherzer missed some time, but that was a suspension. Uh, Verlander started the year in the IL and, and not having those two, um, you know, I guess neither have been consistent, but not having the ability for them to pick themselves up and missing time and not really gaining momentum at those, at those points, it arguably could have put set them back. Um, I guess the, the injury that Pete Alonso is dealing with now, the wrist injury, um, his OPS has been, you know, below 700 since he came back and he really did rush it back. But uh, again, this is a time, it's desperate times, desperate measures. And, you know, I guess that's a, that's the gamer in him. But um, it, it's it's arguable that the team has suffered because of it. But, hey, if he's still going to hit, you know, three or four or five home runs a week, I guess yeah. you have to take that trade off. Speaking of Pete Alonso and home runs, how bad was that pitcher last night? <laughs> <laughs> that was rough. He, he was really focused on the outside of the plate for Pete, and that's not his power zone. But, um yeah, I mean, I think everyone knows his power potential when he's healthy and when he's hitting the ball right and when he's swinging right and everything's connected. He's one of the premier power hitters in baseball. But um, the show that Luis Robert Jr. put on last night, that was that was something incredible. And the funny thing is we – I mean, a lot of Sox fans will agree. Like, we don't even think he's tapped into what he can really do yet. In fact, I think the White Sox kind of hold him back in that <laughs> aspect. And, you know, he has dealt with some injuries. So that I don't even think is full power with Robert Jr. and what he can actually do. So he's going to be scary if he finds his way onto, like, a much better team in the future. Do you think that's in the cards? I don't want to break off of your uh, off of your show plan here, but um, <laughs> it, it's got to be in the, you know, in the thought process, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like he might be, the like, the one that is really untouchable at this point. Yeah. Um, I feel like most others 
you know, I feel like Dylan Cease, Lucas Shilito, like some guys like that will probably go. I think it would be the biggest mistake if they got rid of Luis Robert Jr. That I'm would be like the regret. Yeah. <laughs> There's no coming back from that. I don't think fans are going to come back from that if that was the case. Oh, he's a five-tool guy. Um, I, look, I was looking at the StatCast page, and his outs above average in center field is 98th percentile. He's just, you know, he's incredible. He's, you know, he's raking the ball. There's a lot of fun players on the White Sox. It's just a shame. They were kind of in the same boat. Just they had so many expectations. And, you know, some guys just haven't been able to put it, pull it together. And ah, it's disappointing as a fan. Yeah, for sure. So with that injuries and everything, again, they haven't been doing great. So do you not really see them climbing anymore in September? Or do you think the trade deadline could swing it at least in a, a hot streak. Well, I guess that therein lies the dilemma. Um, you know, if they really play well over the first few weeks coming out of the all-star break and they can pull themselves within, let's say three or four games of the wild card, it really puts them in a tough spot because their prospects, I hate referring to as trade capital, but what they have for possible potential, you know, returns going back to teams you know, it would be their blue chippers. Um, their their system isn't as deep as, as other teams are where they could go out and shop and, oh, you know what, we'll mortgage a little bit of our future, but um, we still have a cachet of great, great players. Like, you know, you have your, your high-end guys, and then you have a bunch of, I don't want to say middling prospects, but guys who really haven't shown that they're up at the level of the, the, the Ryan Mauricio's or even the Mark Vientos, who, you know, he didn't really get many reps with the Mets this year, but um, you know, there's a lot of guys who the Mets could say, okay, let's make a run if they get close enough. But at what point are you shortchanging your future with guys who mm-hmm. might be a, a big part of it? And I guess tying in Luis Robert Jr. to it, it's the same, you know, potential. I mean, if a team likes Brett Beatty at this point, no, you're probably not going to get him. If a team likes Francisco Alvarez at this point, you're not going to get him. And, and how attractive are your expiring free agents or a, a Max Scherzer, if he waves his no trade clause. So, you know, even if the Mets make a run, um, I think any sort of waves they make in September, or, you know, if they perchance make it to October, it would have to come off the backs of who's here and maybe some minor additions. Um, otherwise, you know, you can't put too, put too much stock into a team that's been under 500 going through half the season. Yeah, the White Sox did that just a few years back um, with the Lancelin Dame Dunning trade. Lance is, I love him and he, he has been better in the last few games, but I sit here and I look at what Dane Dunning is doing and how young he is and how great he's been. And I'm just like, what could have been? Because that trade pissed me off when it went down. And again, I love Lance. I was furious about that. And I still kind of, I'm still a little salty if you, if you couldn't tell. Um, by my anger, just bringing that out. But yeah, so. Oh, it happens. We've seen it so many times. I mean, look at the Diaz-Kalanick deal. We still don't know who really won that trade. I mean, right now, yeah, the Mets have Diaz and he's injured, but what he's done has been incredible. Yeah. Kalanick hasn't really clicked yet, but he's got so much time to still, you know, do it. It might end up being a win-win. I guess these things need time, but Mm -hmm. in the short term you know I think either team might be in a a very tough place to start trading um 
potential, you know, integral pieces looking forward. Yeah, this is totally off script, but I have a funny story relating to Edwin Diaz because, I mean, we we love him in this household. And <laughs> we were playing um, just some, you know, recreational kickball, a lot of family and friends. And everyone was like, hey, let's have walk-up songs. And so my son, he just turned 13, and he was like, I don't know what to pick. I don't know what to pick. And I was like, I don't know, bud, what do you want? Like, do you, can you think of any cool, like, baseball walk-up songs that you're familiar? And he was like, oh, what's that trumpet one? And I, and I was like, what Edwin Diaz walks up to? <laughs> yeah. And so I went up to the person. There's was like, hey, can you find the Narcos song? Um, he wants to do this Edwin Diaz bit. And then we told him, I was like, but if you're going to do this, you have to, like, go to right field and just run up to the right field and then come to the base to kick the ball. And he was like, oh, okay, okay. And so <laughs> this poor kid is every single time he's up, he's like running up through right field to come kick. And everyone was like, what is this kid doing? He's like a child. How does he even know about Narcos? And I was like, no, it's Edwin Diaz. It's a whole thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I raised a baseball. Awesome. Yeah, we love him. So the first one with so many Hall of Fame pitchers and position players, who was the greatest player in team history? The Mets, Tom yep. Seaver. Someone responded to that question and said Tom Seaver. I agree. I agree. Um, and then mine. So there's lore. I hope you're familiar with this lore. Um, is Mrs. Met cheating on Mr. Met with another mascot? Because, mascot? No. Yeah, for asking uh, were, for fans. There were rumors previously that, that Noah Syndergaard had eyes for Mrs. Met and he would poke fun at Mr. Met. And, and I don't think anybody appreciated that at all. We all I think everyone's still a fan of Noah. Yeah. He had a good good run as a Met, but yeah, that's a the sanctity of the Mr. Met, Mrs. Met union is something that should never be messed with. And I hope that yeah. I hope I hope Noah learned that that's not a, a button you press. You know, he had. I think karma came after him. I'm not going to say that's why he has not been good, but I'm not not saying that to be completely honest. <laughs> <laughs> so Poor you know, man. there's there's that. Um, but you know, there have been a lot of rumors swirling on the internet. South Paul was involved in one. Um, there was this whole thing a picture posted today of like all the mascots and they're like, Mrs. Met and Mr. Met are on the complete opposite ends of this picture. What's going on? Is there a divorce incoming? And I'm like, Oh boy. No. Oh, you got to see them during that. You're going to be at the stadium next week. You said, yeah. um, you got to see them. Uh, you know, they, they really top of the dugout. They, they are a, a perfect match. They, they, they get the place going. I'm Great excited. I, I love, you know, um, Rosie red and, <laughs> Whatever they're, I don't like Mr. Red Legs, whatever his name is, but Rosie, she's cute and they're a lot of fun because there are like 75 mascots for the Reds right now. <laughs> I am very excited about the Mets. So, uh, bright, bright future. This season hasn't worked out as, as, as anybody really planned, but very bright future. Good ownership finally in. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just got to hope that it, the trajectory continues uh, upward. What's it like to have a billionaire that spends money on your team? Different. Like to have a, a, a person, one who's a, you know, multi-billionaire 
two who's like a diehard fan of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just it's compared to where it was, uh, you know, incredible. Um, we're only in you know very very early on in Steve Cohen's tenure as owner, and already you've seen like the the changes, the 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 culture. Um, and again, I think everyone was disappointed with how this season's gone. And he, he did a press conference a couple of weeks ago and he was, you know, just as plain as possible. Like, no, 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 this is not acceptable for, for what we're trying. It's refreshing across the board. I think with Reinsdorf, you guys probably have uh, some of the same concerns. <laughs> yes, there were. I mean, you probably saw it on Twitter. <laughs> there were banners that went up near the park that said, sell the team, Jerry. Because we are just so, oh yes, Bennett, yes, we are just so so frustrated at this point with him. So it is what it is. But okay, well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and break down this series. And if you're on YouTube, nothing is actually happening. You're just watching us awkwardly. Hi. <laughs> All right. Welcome back. I am Crystal. Again, I'm here to talk to Tim about this upcoming series with the Mets in New York. Obviously, neither team have probable pitchers listed just yet. We're a little early. The White Sox are down several pitchers at the moment um, due to injury and everything else. Um, But how are you feeling about this Mets rotation and, you know, kind of a follow up? How do you feel about, you know, Jacob deGrom, especially now that he's injured again? Because I know a lot of people were kind of all over the place with that, you know, trade going down too. You know, I don't think anyone expected deGrom to go um, when he said at the time after he left that, oh, he, he oh, I think there's a championship culture here in, in Texas. Nobody believed him. Everyone's like, oh, it's just the money. It's just the money. You know, most fans were happy for him. Just, hey, look at what he's done for the Mets he was the next best thing to Seaver or mm-hmm. Dwight Gooden or, you know, he was up there with the best pitchers to ever put on a Mets uniform. Um, was it disappointing that he left? Yeah. And seeing him get hurt. I mean, that's just, you want him to continue on that hall of fame trajectory because he's certainly capable of it. And, you know, anyone who saw his press conference after the diagnosis, I mean, he was very emotional. Yeah. I think all Mets fans were kind of in that same boat with her. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was emotional. It's it's ter- I mean it's really sad. He got a late start to his career. He didn't make his debut until he yeah to see him. Uh, I guess at this crossroads, I think everyone's kind of encouraged with his work ethic and, and how he can bounce back from this. But you got to wonder at his age, will yeah. he be will he be the same? And yeah. uh, Mets fans are are rooting for him, but um, I know I am. Yeah, I am. He's a year younger than I am because we share a birthday. Oh, nice. So I always, and Colleen, Colleen Sullivan, another Sox Mets person that you're familiar with, we are the birthday triplets. Um, I did not know that you guys, that, that Jacob DeGrom's birthday, I knew that you two shared a birthday. Yep. I did not know that Jacob DeGrom's birthday was the same day. It is. So he's our um, birthday. So that, I think that's why we love him so much. It's because, you know, <laughs> we have that connection where the crazy Geminis. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was born. I was born the same year as David Wright. Well, I'm sorry. David Wright was 82. Uh, but in between David Wright and Jose Reyes is where I was born. And it's, uh, uh, yeah, I guess that, that you know, 
camaraderie with people your age, you kind of do feel that as a baseball fan. And then as you get older and you start to realize that the entire league is younger than you. (laughs) I actually, I wrote something when Buster Posey announced his retirement and it was like the millennials guide to how to feel when someone you love retires from baseball and they're like, you know, cause Buster is not that much older than I am. I grew up watching him. I loved him. And I was like, well, all these kids are like 20 now. What happened to the guys my age that I grew up with? And it was like, is this a like existential life crisis going on right now with Buster retiring? Like what am I? So I, I had to like write it. I had to write all my feelings out. And I was like, this is weird to me. I don't like it. I feel really old now. <laughs> yeah it's, it's different it's it's certainly weird now you see guys drafted into like the nba or even you know last night with the mlb draft or this week with the mlb draft you know 18 years old born in 2005 or whatever it's like oh my goodness i was out of high school when these kids were born i was like oh my first kid was born in 2004 <laughs> i look at her i'm like oh man like you should be a professional athlete. What are you doing? You could be in the draft this week. <laughs> oh, it's what did you go to college for? You should go be a professional athlete. Yeah, I was watching that last night, and I was like, oh, I should make a Botox appointment soon. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Um, but yeah, so do you, do you feel confident in what your you know starting pitching rotation is now? Um, I'm sorry. Do you feel confident in what the starting rotation is now for the Mets? Somewhat. Um, you know, that top three on paper, Scherzer, Verlander, and Senga, um, you know, that's impressive. If they can somehow make a run and get to October, that's a formidable group. Um, Senga's been incredible. Mm-hmm. Getting used to the league, getting used to the baseball, which I think was a big part of that because coming from Japan, it's a different type of baseball. The, the coding, the grip, everything's a little bit different. The seams. Um He's been lights out. He's been ERA under three since the beginning of May. Uh, he's been incredible. You look at the back end and, and you know, you want more from Carlos Carrasco. Uh, you know, he's a veteran guy. Uh, you, you just want quality starts from him. Sometimes he gives him to you, sometimes he doesn't. He's working with a new slider, so hopefully that's going to, um, you know, help things break in his way. That fifth rotation spot, who the Mets have been – waiting for Jose Quintana to come in. He had a lesion on his rib cage found in spring training. Mm-hmm. Um, so very concerning there, but he's getting his rehab starts in now. He should be back for the second half or early on in the second half. Um, hopefully he'll be able to slide in. And I don't know if he'll extend the rotation to a six man rotation and, and kind of use uh, David Peterson, a uh, young lefty or Tyler McGill, young righty in that, late spot or even just to kind of break up the rotation, maybe go that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, they, they have the arms, the capable arms to, to certainly be a better group. And um, it it just, it's all about executing. And so far this team just hasn't. And uh, (laughs) fingers crossed. You just, if they're going to make a run, it it has to be a, a a leg to stand on the rotation. Yeah. I had such high hopes for Tyler and, I'm so bummed that it just hasn't really clicked for him yet. He was pitching the last time I saw the Mets in Pittsburgh, just a couple, like a month back or so. And I just felt so bad because that was just a, a blowout by the Pirates. And I I just felt terrible because, I mean, his mom, his mom follows me on Twitter. I love you, Julie, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but 
I like I took a picture and I was really excited and I like tagged her in the picture. I was like, here's your boy. And then we just had such a bad game. And I was like, man, I I want you to be so good. I just need you to to click a little more. It's funny, man. He's like it's almost like he's always an adjustment away. Mm-hmm. Sometimes his fastball have all the life in the world. Sometimes everything he's, he's breaking stuff has cut. His change ball, his changeups doing what it's supposed to do. Everything is just working. And then you know, an inning later, it's just out. I think that'll come with experience. And yeah. I love his potential. But yeah, um, he's not quite there just yet. At least on a consistent basis. But you know, we've seen his high points. And I'm with you. I'm a big Tyler McGill fan. I hope he sticks around and mm-hmm. can kind of work his way into the back end of this rotation over the next few seasons. Yeah. He's kind of, I think, where Michael Kopech was even just a year ago. Kopech has obviously improved a lot. He still is not always the most stable. Um, but, you know, they started him to come in as a relief pitcher while he was still warming up. And so last year was like his first full year of of being a starting pitcher. So right now he's injured, so it's not like it matters. But I feel like that is kind of where McGill is sitting right now, is in that kind of first tricky year that Michael Kopech was in. They have really similar skills as well. All, all the potential in the world for Kopech. I'm a big yeah. Michael Kopech fan. Um, I think, what was it, Yeah. Almost, he had a no hitter or a perfect game going against the Yankees last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> boy, he just looked like everything that everyone was waiting for for so long from Michael Kopech. It was right there. It was it was incredible, and um, I hope he can get his way back to that because he, he's a he's an incredible, incredible young pitcher. Yeah, he's Giolito could be the same type of guy. I really do. Giolito has actually been pretty good this year. He started off a little rocky, but he kind of went back into that ace that we knew him as because Dylan has been a little rocky. Um, but it felt like Giolito just like picked right back off from where he was at in 2020. So that was refreshing to see at least. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that's another, that's, I mean, him and Cease, those could be, you know, frontline guys. And if yeah. Lynn is doing his thing, that, that's it again. In the AL Central, the White Sox really aren't <laughs> out of it. They get hot and – they're in the same boat as the Mets. Get in and you can really make some waves. Yeah. That's, that's our hope that this <laughs> second half will be better. You know what? <laughs> who I really liked is Jake Berger. I know you want to talk a little bit about the White Sox, and I hope we get into him because, boy, he's been fun to watch. I'm a big Jake Berger fan. I Yes, I am too. I adore him. Uh, <laughs> we actually – we both follow each other too, so I've talked to him a little bit on yeah. and off. Um, about stories and stuff and mental health things because he's a really big mental health advocate, which I think baseball obviously needs more of. Absolutely. Um, and he's just the nicest person you could ever talk to, and he is just a blast to watch. I was kind of bummed that he didn't make it to the Derby as well because, I mean, he can just knock them out of the park with ease. It doesn't look like there's any difficulty when he's doing it, so – uh, I was watching the StatCast broadcast of the Derby last night, and they brought up a really great point that I had no idea, a good stat. So real quick, uh, last night on the, sta- on the StatCast broadcast of the Derby on ESPN2, great stat. Jake Berg is the only hitter on the White Sox with a hard hit rate over 50% this season. That's, a, that's impressive. 
Yeah. Yeah. For the team to be as abysmal. And you know what? He didn't even make the opening day roster. Yeah. And he came in. Cheats. There's a lot of young guys. Andrew Vaughn. It's a lot of good players on this team. Yeah. On paper, they look excellent. It just doesn't. (laughs) translate over as often as it should <laughs> well where do you think I, I don't want to turn it into me yeah, asking yeah. questions but where do you think the disconnect is for for a team so talented um not putting it together I will say I do think Jose Abreu leaving really brought that whole like I think it just kind of deflated everything because he was kind of the leader the quote-unquote leader and then it kind of fell on Tim. Tim Anderson's supposed to be that leader, and he has had the worst season I've ever seen. Um, you know, he's at the bottom and everything. He's yet to even hit a home run, and it's July. So I think between Abreu leaving, Anderson not stepping up to the plate, and then just the constant management front office just bullshit that's happening lately. I think they're just deflated from all of that. That's a shame. Tim yeah. Anderson's one of one of the like the funnest players in the league when he's right and something's yeah. not right. No, there's something really wrong. And I and I don't want to blame it on his personal life, so I refuse no. to do that. But he's just yeah. been I just think he's been playing injured for a while now. I don't think he's really fully recovered from what was going on with him. So, yeah. Oh, I'm a big advocate of not prying into why things are happening, but (laughs) you have to trust the player that, you know, this is their job. This is their livelihood. They're going to turn it around. And if anyone's going to do it, it's Tim Anderson. Yeah. I, I hope he does. That's, that's what I need. So with this series, do you have any keys for the Mets to take this series? Uh, hitting with runners in scoring position has been a huge <laughs> issue for the Mets. Um, if they're going to do anything, it, it, they're going to have to start becoming clutch hitters. And last season, they did it really well. Put the ball in play, good things happen. And this year, it's like the whole approach has changed. They're not working counts. It's It's been, at times, really tough to watch. Yeah. Yeah, White Sox players are swinging at the first pitch. I'm like, what? what are we doing here? <laughs> Yeah. Was that was that your perfect pitch? Because it doesn't look like it, Aloy, who has hit your seventh ground ball in a row, like a row. This is so frustrating with them. <laughs> so they're my villain origin story this year. Sticking with them, is there a big threat, like a player that could really threaten this White Sox team this series? I mean, any time that Pete gets hot, he can change a series, change a game. Um, if Brandon Nimmo is getting on base. He's mm-hmm. the, the the kind of the, the spark plug. He's what gets things going. And I'm also going to say Jeff McNeil. He hasn't been the batting champ he was last year. Yeah. The high contact, put it anywhere he wants type of guy he's always been. And uh, if he's doing that, again, it lengthens everything. If he's in the middle of the lineup, the back of the lineup, to, if, you know, top two, three, four, five, whatever. Um, just that, you know, getting a hit. One out of three times, it's 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 a very very useful thing when you're trying to connect at bats, and uh, the Mets have missed him. Yeah, he's been. He, speaking of fun players, Jeff McNeil is one of just my most favorite to watch. He is a lot of fun. Oh, he's um, great. I mean, Pete, Jeff, um, 
obviously I love Mark to death. He's the best. And I love all of the pride shirts that uh, Willett Spin sends him that he does in fact wear. That makes me happy. He's I mean, it's a bunch of fun guys on that team. So, but then turning off of that, what is your biggest fear heading into the series? Is it the runners in scoring position? Is it just <laughs> slow bats? I think it's an under, I don't want to say understaffed, but um, a not quite capable bullpen. You know, the Mets, when their starting pitching goes six innings, they're something like 40 something and, and under 10. They're a terrific team when their starting pitcher doesn't go six innings and they have to rely on their bullpen, they're one of the worst teams in baseball. And, uh, you know, losing Diaz, that was one thing. You had Robertson, you had Adovino, but they never really replaced that, what you would call seventh inning guy, just that triumvirate that you're looking for on a competitive team. They were hoping for other guys to do it. And then they were hoping for other, like off the waiver wire guys to come in and kind of fill those spots and, it was it it turned into a mess, <laughs> and um, yeah, they're going to need consistency from their bullpen to hold leads and win games and and try and get back in this thing. So yeah, that that would be my biggest fear that the bullpen blows <laughs> blows leads in every game. This is why I say they're cousins because this is how I feel about the White Sox. You put Aaron Bummer in, and I'm just sitting here clenching like my jaw the entire time. Who is it? Graveman and um, Gregory Santos have been excellent, but you can't pitch those guys every day, right? Mm-mm. No. Um, Graveman's been, he's actually been pretty decent. Santos has been great. Um, and then we have Middleton, Kenyon Middleton, who has, has been really, really good. And that's like a really pleasant surprise because he kind of just came out of nowhere and was suddenly, you know, striking outside every time he was up. I was like, okay. This is good. And we've only seen like one kind of really not so great inning from him. But, you know, we do have those three guys that are good. Aaron Bummer, I can't trust him for anything. Um, And then Ronaldo Lopez, he's kind of hot and cold. I've seen him. I mean, he's one, though, that can start. He can come into relief. He can come into close. Like he can do all those things. And he's just not properly being utilized I think I think he just needs to stick in one position and they're putting them all over the place and it kind of slows him down so I can't complain I'm just waiting for Liam to come back (laughs) I'm so desperate for Liam to come back oh what a what a journey though and you know one of the more inspirational stories in baseball that you've heard in, in recent memory just beautiful stuff yeah I have to um for the first time in like a million years, I have to watch the ESPYs because he's being awarded during that. So I need to hear that speech and how many times they have to bleep him out. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fun. But yeah, he's he's the best. He's I remember sitting at um, a Sox A's game and we were right by the visitors bullpen and he was just down there because this is he was on the A's. And he's just down there, like, being really goofy and just completely ridiculous and, you know, talking back to chirping fans, like, in a fun way. And I remember sitting there and thinking to myself, like, gosh, I'd love him on my team. And I looked over at my husband, and I was like, he's just so much fun. (laughs) He needs to be here so I can enjoy him more than, like, boom, he's, you know, here the next season. And I was like, oh, (laughs) okay. They heard you. 
true. I'm going to just keep talking about these players I want and manifest this to happen. Yeah. yeah. So speak it into existence. So, yeah, he's just, I, I can't think of a person that does not like Liam Hendricks, no matter what team they root for at this point. He's just one of the best in the game right now. He does not make a, a, a bad step, and that's on the field, off the field. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah, 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 terrific. Just a terrific ambassador for the game. Oh, I love him. All <laughs> right, so moving on, we can close out this series that will probably just be a really bummer series. I don't know why I chose to go to so many games in New York <laughs> and spend all that money to fly out and see my team. But <laughs> how are you feeling about other teams this season? Like your your contenders, your underdogs, your pleasant or terrible surprises? Well, I mean, you know, the the Pirates started out really hot and, and they kind of came back down to earth. But um, what the Diamondbacks and what the Reds are doing, uh, that's just good for baseball. That's so much fun to see. The Marlins are staying in it and staying really competitive. Great pitching staff. You know, that's cool. It's good to see. You, you hope that these teams can kind of parlay this success and, and you know, not try to skate by on, on the bare minimum and really build a – a system off of what they're doing and, you know, small market team or not, um, you know, if you find yourself in a spot that you can win a world series, I'm very curious to see how the, the reds who don't mm-hmm. really have a great track record in that regard or the, or the Diamondbacks for that, for that matter, um, how they can go and, and, and really, you know, take things to the next level. And if they're, they're willing to do that. So um, yeah, build a, build a good organization. That's, you know, that box is checked. I'm curious to see what they do next. Um, I, I want Joey Votto in a playoff game. Like, yes. Obviously an LED La Cruz because he is just the coolest player right now. But, like, I need Joey Votto in a playoff game before I die or before he retires, whichever comes first. Another just wonderful, like a, a jewel in, 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 the, in the game of baseball, Joey Votto. His uh, what is it? His TikTok? I don't even I don't even watch TikTok. But when the videos make it to Twitter, I'm like, oh my god! If I'm ever going to sign up, this is why. He's a, and like he will post in his Instagram. He'll post the most ridiculous things, like his full on like cowboy get up, and then like his bat. And I'm just like, is Joey Votto attractive right now? Like, what is happening? <laughs> or like him driving the bus down to you know do his rehab, and I'm like, this is the bet he's the best i just oh i love him with all my heart so i just want him in the playoffs oh my god imagine the the effect that the guys like him and and even mccutcheon in pittsburgh when they were playing well mm-hmm. i still hope they can turn it around because they're not too far out of it yeah um you know the experience that these guys bring to a young clubhouse the, the how that reverberates um uh what's his name in in arizona between Marte and the one who just came over from toronto Guriel. Yeah. I think those are guys who probably gave that dynamic at the just precise time it was needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's fun to see. It's like the spirit of baseball. And uh, even if your team's having a mediocre season, you can still find. Yeah. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon is my favorite. I mm-hmm. think everyone that knows me knows Andrew is my guy. And him going back to the Pirates, like, they announced that, and I was emotional. Because Pittsburgh isn't far. That's an easy drive for me, and I will go 
four touch. That, I don't even <laughs> care. And I was up there for that, you know, uh, Pirates Met series. And he was like, in that, are we going to reach 2,000 hits? Like, oh, okay. what are we doing? It was like that whole, like, build up of me being, like, really tense. And my kids are like, I'm hungry. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> Catches on my stuff. Is he going to get this <laughs> or not? So I, you know, might have deprived my children a couple times of ice cream until the very end. And I was like, no, I've got to see if Kutch gets the hit. And then the Mets started coming back. And I'm just like, this is the best game I've ever been to in my entire life right now. <laughs> we didn't get the hit until the one game I didn't go to naturally. But uh, it was Sunday, right? Yeah, right. he got the hit on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever, but, but even Mets fans. I mean, we were. I was watching the game. I, you know, you can't help but be happy for them to come full circle back to Pittsburgh and have the start they had and the future they have. And mm-hmm. I hope he doesn't get traded. I hope he stays and can really see it come full circle as an organization. Yeah, I, when, I think he'll retire as a pirate. Oh, you hope so. But you might you might look at a team contending team this year and be like, oh, you know, what do you guys want for Koch? Because we could use him, and he still hits lefties really, really well. Um, yeah, I hope he makes his way back. That would be – if he does get traded, I hope he does make his way back. He, Yeah, he's made me so emotional this year. Like, I was watching that first game back, and I know they had to, like, call ahead of time and say, look, his first at-bat, it's going to be insane. We need to not be penalized for all of this extra time they're about to spend. And that's true. Like, it was like a minute of just a – standing ovation for him and you know it's funny I've I've been to see I've been to see Andrew McCutcheon every year minus 2018 and 2020 um because we were both down bad 18 we were both injured and obviously no 2020 but I have been watching him since his minor league farm team Indianapolis Indians days Wow. So, like, yeah, we go way back, way back since he was just like a a baby. And I remember going to see him in Pittsburgh while he was on the Phillies. And I was like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen next year. He could retire. I've got to go. He still gets standing ovations and the loudest cheers when he is a visitor in Pittsburgh. Like, that is how much he has loved there and how much he has just completely changed that culture of baseball over there, which not a lot of players can do that. I remember I was, must've been like a sports center clip. Andy Van Slyke's son came back to Pittsburgh and they gave him a standing ovation. They love their sports heroes there. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, it's a great sports town. Like yeah. I got, and I guess you were talking before how, uh, you know, Cubs fans are everywhere. Steelers fans are everywhere, and I have <laughs> yeah. Steelers fans here. And you know the stories, and the and the, it's just such a cool place. It sounds like I've never been, but it sounds like a wonderful place. That's that's my top. I hear a lot of things about Petco being amazing. Yeah. I haven't been there yet. Maybe next year, but PNC <laughs> is just like that's my mecca. That's my happy place. <laughs> anytime, anytime I can go there, I will. So. I guess in the, mid, in the Midwest, you guys are like a, a short shot from a lot of different stadiums, right? Yeah, I grew up, you know, a lot of Reds games because that's about an hour and a half, two hours away from where I am. We do have a lot of minor league teams, too, because there are a ton of minor league teams around us. 
And then, you know, Chicago was a quick drive. Detroit was a quick drive. Cleveland even was kind of a, a, a doable drive, at least. And then, you know, Pittsburgh and St. Louis and Kansas. Like, I mean, they were all just – we're kind of in the middle of just a ton of teams. So I was fortunate enough to be able to drive to a lot of these places and kind of check a lot of those stadiums off earlier in my life, which was neat. Nice. Yeah. So – all right. Well, that's all I've got for you. Um, so best of luck in this series. Uh, you'll have to let me know if you end up at a game. <laughs> I believe I, I want to say I'll be the first night. I, th- I think it's the first night of the series. So uh, I'll, I'll have to let you know and, and we'll, we'll keep the, uh, the uh, visiting dugout followers in touch. Let them know that uh, <laughs> opposing sides linked up. Yes, we can all be friends. It's okay. Oh, man. Baseball is baseball. I mean, I I have friends that are Braves fans and Phillies fans. It's It adds to the flavor, man. It's great. It does. I have too many teams I cheer for. <laughs> so I can't say anything. All right. Well, um, please let us know where we can find you because I followed you on Twitter forever, but maybe some people don't and should change it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's Timothy R. Ryder. Um, of course, at Timothy R. Ryder. Uh, the Apple is at uh, the Apple NYM. That's the Apple, you know, initials for New York Mets at the end, the Apple NYM. And uh, Simply Amazing, you find us on Apple Pods, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, yeah, we're trying to uh, try to keep the season going and get a little, uh, a little optimism going, at least a little reason for optimism, I hope. It'll be a fun series. I just have to decide which team I'm going to wear each day that I'm there. I have too well, many shirts of both teams. I think I'm going to go with my Black Mets jersey and my La Pantera Luis Roberts shirt underneath. There you go. I might just do like a White Sox hat and like my Pete Alonso shirt. We'll see. <laughs> we gotta, I got two games. We'll switch it up. But. There you go. You have custom half and half jerseys. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> to, to, use, like, to use twice and be like, well, I hope the Mets come to town next season. Well, I mean, it's like Pete Alonzo and Luis Robert <laughs> Jr., but. That's actually a pretty great jersey to have, yeah. Those are your two home run hitters, yeah. Oh. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on. Again, best of luck, and I will probably see you Tuesday. Absolutely, and thank you for having me, and um, talk soon. All right, bye.